Namaste India. I'm glad to be back and today's topic is a very interesting one. It concerns the heritage of India, the ancient cities, temples, archaeological amazing sites being discovered in recent years, which are not getting enough publicity. The government hasn't funded, only a few scholars know these things, the general public doesn't know much, the school textbooks haven't reflected this, the media doesn't know, the literary festivals don't celebrate these things and don't honor the, the people who have discovered them and writing about them. Only a few scientists know most of these things. So I want to make each of you an ambassador of Indian heritage, Bharatiya culture, Vedic culture. So this way, uh, each of us can spread. And this is something everyone should be doing as part of their seva, as part of their, uh, you know, dharma, their uh, swadharma. So I will talk about a few places you've heard about and a few places you might not have heard about. So first, I'm going to talk about a place called Mahindra Parvat. I would bet that maybe 1% of the audience have heard of Mahindra Parvat which uh, in the local language they translate as the, the mountain of Indra. Now this is a place in Cambodia. This is, uh, and the research reports that I'm reading are absolutely amazing. What they've discovered is under a mountain which has a pond uh, with the Shivalingams, uh, 1008. I have actually been there uh, during the Hindu uh, Buddhist summit, visited that pond, walked in that pond uh, with Swami Paramatmanand of the Hindu Dharmacharya Sabha. This meeting was organized by Swami Dhenan Saraswati many years ago. But at that time, the, it was not known that underneath this forest, there is a huge city. It's a huge complex of old temples, old mandirs. And uh, this is considered now the largest empire of the world as of a thousand years ago. And this is not something that uh, people have made up. It's not local folklore. This is archaeologists from around the world, people from Australia, India, Europe. They've come, they've come to this conclusion that nothing of comparable size and sophistication existed in that in, at that time in, uh, in, in the world. So Mahindra Parvat is not a simple place. It's not a very trivial place that, uh, you know, we can sort of ignore. This is a complex of uh, a huge uh, technological sophistication. There is a sophisticated irrigation water management system. There is a highway connecting Mahindra Parvat with Angkor Wat, which is several kilometers away. And so uh, if you go, if there, it's tens of kilometers uh, of city complexes. So uh, th this, uh, 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 I'm, I'm absolutely amazed by the uh, uh, the new things they keep finding, the new discoveries that they keep uh, coming up with uh, from Mahindra Parvat. And it is amazing that when I talk to uh, uh, people who ought to know, uh, uh, people from our side, uh, our, uh, our heritage, many of them just don't know, many of them don't care. Uh, so this is one example of uh, what I'm going to talk, what I want to bring to your attention today. Let's move over to Haryana. Thousands of miles away from Cambodia. Haryana has two of the most amazing ancient heritage sites. And most people I met from Haryana don't know these. One is Rakhi Gadi. Rakhi Gadi is the largest discovered Harappan era city. The Indus Saraswati city. People used to think that Mohenjo Daro and Harappa are the oldest and largest. 
but that is no longer the case because new things have been discovered. And this Rakhi Ghadi is in, uh, in Haryana. So it has all the qualities of the other uh, Indus Saraswati civilization in terms of architecture, construction, technology, uh, the, the way of life, the symbols, the tiles, the linguistic symbols in them, which have not been fully decoded. So uh, Rakhi Ghadi is, uh, is another one that uh, has to uh, be given importance. Uh, the Haryana government is giving a little bit of lip service, uh, but I don't think uh, that suffices given the stature of this. Another one I want to, and then I'll make my point. I want to give you three or four examples in a, in a nutshell. Then I'll make some points on what you should do, what ought to be done. An amazing place that very few have heard. Rakhi Ghadi is a lot of uh, scholar type people have heard. But there is this, uh, this place, Bhirlana, uh, Bhirlana in Haryana, uh, several kilometers from Rakhi Ghadi. This is the oldest. It is 7,500 years before Christ, almost 10,000 years old from today. This is the oldest major city in the world. It is older than Mehergarh in uh, Pakistan, which was considered to be the oldest Harappan site. It is older than Mahindradaro, Harappa, all of these places. And the, the, besides being the oldest, the second ca distinguishing characteristic is that this city in, in, in Haryana uh, is continuous from the earliest, being the, being the earliest from there to the later Harappan, later Harappan, later Harappan, a history of 5000 years from the beginning to the end is all in this one place. So there is no doubt about the continuity of that civilization. People have doubted, you know, maybe the different towns were different, different people lived, maybe there were different races, ethnic groups, and maybe they came from various other places. People have speculated all that about, about this Indus Saraswati civilization. So the discovery of this one place puts all that to rest because now in one place we have all these things over a period of 5,000 years, all the stuff that is found elsewhere, it's also found here from the beginning till onwards. So that's... And a, quite an amazing thing. Then uh, another ancient place not fully studied, not adequately understood uh, is the city of Dwarka, uh, outside, uh, just outside the coast of, of the coast of Gujarat. Uh, this is uh, Krishna's, uh, uh, you know, kingdom, capital. Uh, it's mentioned in our, uh, in our texts that this thing gets washed and so now the archaeologists are saying that uh, some that the the land sunk between the sea, under the sea around 1700 BC BCE, so which means that about four or five thousand five thousand years ago from now, uh, this this four thousand years ago the, the land sunk under the sea, so that was the end of that uh, town, but it had been a huge complex which needs submarines and things like that to go and explore under the under the water, so this is. Uh, this is and this place has a lot of uh, symbols and a lot of uh, architectural design qualities which resemble what is written in the Mahabharat, which is what is written in the Itihas. So there is no doubt that the, uh, this validates our Itihas also because this is all very scientifically uh, established. Very interesting discovery is in Tamil Nadu. That Tamil Nadu. You know, people have said that all these things are in the north and maybe from there they went to Cambodia. Actually, the Cambodians were, came from uh, South India. You know, they were they, the, the civilization came from South India. Uh, but now uh, 
uh, and, and people said, okay, there's Ram Setu, but that's at the southern end. What's in between? You know, what's in between North India and Ram Setu? There's no nothing, no evidence. And so they try to show that that's a separate civilization. But that's not true. Because right in Tamil Nadu, they have discovered major places which are linked with the Indus Valley civilization, both in terms of design, in terms of the techniques and the symbols used and so on. And over 3,000 artifacts have been uh, discovered in Tamil Nadu in some archaeological sites. Now, I, I don't want to turn this into a lesson in uh, you know, scientific archaeology and so on. The points I want to make are the following. What is being studied about our ancient past is scattered. So the people are studying one location or another location. Uh, we need to put all this together into the old history of India. We have to reclaim the Indian grand narrative using these discoveries. And there's too much dependence on Western scholars who take one thing and publish it in their own journal. They look at it through their own drishti, not necessarily our Vedic drishti. And the tendency has been to downplay the Hindu links. Even though they'll say that this is uh, this deity is Indra, they will not say Hinduism. In some other place, they'll say this is Shiva, but they will not link it. The impression given is that these were polytheistic people, chaotic, a lot of different gods, primitive and fragmented. And that's the kind of impression given in guidebooks. Even in the UNESCO heritage sites, uh, database online, they don't classify these as Hindu. And that part of your job as an ambassador to talk to whether it's a BBC reporter, whether it's somebody in the Indian press or whether it's UNESCO, whoever it is, or to tour guide. You have to go and convince them and lobby with them that the Hindu origins and the Hindu, the whole thing being a Hindu civilization has to be has to be acknowledged. So there's a so and, and we need an interdisciplinary approach. Uh, we need art historians. We need Shastra experts. We need archaeologists, technologists, metallurgists linguists, people who can do genetic research, all of that we need to put together rather than waiting for others to put it together according to their own, uh, according to their own ideology. Um, and this needs a big jump in funding. Uh, we need world-class journals also. Uh, and th this sort of thing has no play in literary festivals, like you go to Jaipur Literary Festival, they're not going to honor somebody like who, who's come up with these kind of things. Um, book awards aren't being given for people who write on this, nor is it in the textbooks. Now, there is a field called biblical archaeology. Very big field in the American Academy and the European Academy. Their job is to go around all these biblical lands and keep looking for things and look at through the biblical drishti and say, ah, this must mean that this must be the place where that happened. And they match the text and the physical discovery and, and keep embellishing biblical archaeology. But if you say Vedic archaeology, you will be accused of all sorts of things. But we need to create a Vedic archaeology. We should be very open that we, we, there ought to be Vedic archaeology. And, and all these different archaeologies of the old uh, Bharat Rashtra uh, as a Vedic uh, you know, space ought to be very clearly established. And that should be our, our game plan. If similar discoveries had been made concerning biblical archaeology or ancient Western civilization, believe me, it would be all over the place. This would be the talk of CNN and all kinds of things. Awards would be given. There would be international conferences. But our government, it ought to be doing that. We ought to have regular conferences for scholars to talk about this very thing, bring all the disciplines together. There should be people from media, people from Bollywood, people from who are documentary makers. We should have something equivalent to the Discovery Channel where such things get uh, mentioned and, and discussed, you see. Uh, there should be this should be there should be tourism based on ancient heritage tourisms. These sites should be developed so people can go and watch an IMAX movie 
a three-dimensional IMAX movie walking through, you know, uh, uh, Krishna's Dwarka or one of these other great sites. Uh, so, uh, why, while there is this big clamor for the Harry Potter and the Lord of the Rings, because it, they tell you very ancient, great things, you know, we have all that stuff, but it's real, it's not mythic. It's backed by history and archaeology. So, we ought to be uh, uh, also stimulating the imagination of our movie makers and, and people like that. And please, fight those who call all, all our itihas myth, because this is scientific evidence. We are matching what has been mentioned in these texts with physical discoveries. There is no way to argue against it. The, you, you, you have to be better informed yourself, and then you can be an ambassador. If you are not well informed, you cannot go and represent and argue, because you will get emotional and upset, and that's not the way to argue. I found that even our IAS officers and IFS officers are, need to be re-educated because they've been educated in the old colonial system and they themselves don't know many of these things. We need our industrialists to sponsor such things. They should be, the industrialists should feel proud that they have sponsored the redevelopment of one of these places. They should put huge sums of money. Somebody should buy this, uh, uh, this uh, submarine, which is an archaeology submarine, where these guys go and they map up all the place and they have cameras and under, in darkness they can have infrared photography of all the, make videos and all that. So this kind of research costs money and it's not only the government. Government, of course, should do a lot more than it's doing, but others should also pitch in. Now, the Ministry of Culture needs to jump into this. The Ministry of Culture, it's not just Bollywood and Shah Rukh Khan doing, you know, Bhangra and all that stuff. These are the things that ought to be showcased. These are the things we should lobby and get them on the world map, on our terms, okay? And information and broadcasting, tourism, HRD, external affairs, these are all ministries that ought to be uh, involved in this. So I have given you uh, uh, an overview. I'm going to now uh, look at some questions that are coming up, I'm sure. Uh, let me see what are some of the questions uh, coming up here. I'm new to this. So I will, this is the first time I'm going to take live questions. Um, I'm not getting questions. Let's see where I get my questions. Okay, here they are. Okay. Um, I'm not, uh, okay. We should, all, so somebody says, uh, Tanoy Bose says we should also talk about the word Bhakt uh, is being used ex in an extremely defamatory way. Yes, Bhakt is being used in an extremely defamatory way uh, and it's considered backward and primitive. So I'm proud to say I do Bhakti. I'm, and if you are, if more and more people uh, out come out and start saying, then it will not be, you know, it will not be a, 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 such a derogatory term. Um, I need to know. So, uh, I have, uh, the government of India should listen to Mr. Rajiv Malhotra, says Anant Vijay. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, uh, so, uh, what roles can temples play is uh, uh, Vandana, uh, uh, Vandana's question. Excellent question. What role temples can play is every temple in India can become a museum for all these sites, can have a, can, can show movies, documentaries, uh, can organize tours. You know, in biblical archaeology, you go to a local church and they'll put you on some kind of a biblical tour and take you around. And every one of them has got books and has got videos and, and so on. So then there is a, 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 there is Ragini Sharma saying, uh, should GOI use Hindu uh, instead of Vedic heritage sites? Well, 
yes, I, I mean, we can use Vedic heritage, we can use Hindu, I, to me, they are fine. But we should not avoid this. Sometimes it doesn't mention it's secularized. That is the, the problem I have. I, I have no problem with either Hindu or, uh, or Vedic. Okay, then uh, how can we counter uh, Devadat Patnaik? Okay, so but he's just one example. Uh, we have to, rather than knocking down somebody else who's uh, using myths that he has heard from uh, Wendy Doniger and places, we have to do a better job of uh, showing the link between science and the archaeology being discovered and how this fits into the Itihas and the various texts. How the Kumbh Mela is eight, eight to 10,000 years, we have to match that with the various physical sites and do archaeology. So as we start putting things together using multiple disciplines and we start uh, educating our own people, then, you know, we will drown the voices of these kind of myth, myth type of people. So is it possible for that tourists to visit these places? Yes, it is possible. Uh, some of the, the places are controlled by the Archaeological Survey of India. And this is a government of India organization that is allergic to the word Hindu. Uh, it started by the British era. And so they try to secularize and downplay Hindu for whatever reason. They think it will create communalism or something like that. Uh, but you need to you need to get your voice in there. And they you can get their permission and visit. So some of the places have been open to the public. But naturally places which are active research sites, they don't want the public coming and walking away uh, with artifacts. So those places are not open. So the recent discovery, does government of India uh, explore, uh, is involved? I don't know. I mean, what I know is that this Mahendra Parvat has been sort of taken over by Australian and European and American archaeologists. They sort of taken over and worked out some deal with the Cambodian government. Maybe Indian government is involved, maybe not. I'm not aware. So I think uh, 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 people are saying, would you like to write a book? Well, the thing is, I can't be the only one writing these books, you know. I mean, I, I'm getting old and I, I can just tell you what I know. A lot of things that will be unwritten by me and others have to uh, uh, others have to get involved. Another question is, uh, uh, can uh, can should the government of India re remove control over the temples? Of course, of course, it should do that uh, because uh, uh, you see, the thing is that when when some site is discovered, uh, when some site is discovered, ancient site, and that is a mandir, and it, there's a deity, and there is a fire altar, all of that stuff, it should be turned over to some uh, Hindu organization to operate it. They should start uh, doing pujas again. Why not? So the, to treat them as a secular archaeological site means that uh, the sacredness is uh, not allowed. Okay. So uh, so we uh, uh, somebody says we've known about Dwarka for a while. Uh, we know that if it's a few kilometers from the coastline. Uh, how do we uh, overcome, uh, you know, overcome the fact that it is in the ocean? Well, there are submarines for archaeologists. There are submarines where one man, two men, they can go and they have video cameras in, in the darkness and they make measurements and they do all kind of interesting things. Somebody needs to, uh, some industrialist should buy one of these and gift it. Uh, there is also this marine archaeology, marine archaeology, undersea archaeology in India. Uh, S.R. Rao started this. S.R. Rao is a great uh, archaeologist uh, who died in 2013. Uh, it's people like that that should have been given Padam Awards and brought into uh, literary festivals and bestseller book awards and all that stuff. He spent his life making these discoveries and he's one of many. Th these people are known to their colleagues as great thinkers. But beyond that, we haven't given them the recognition. Now, there is a lot of questions 
what I will do is I will sign off because I think uh, I decided to keep this to 20 minutes because that's the uh, beyond that uh, people don't like uh, the video. So I will come back and take on this topic. I will go and read your comments online and take on this same topic. Come back in a few days and address your questions. So keep entering comments on the page uh, and I will scan through, pick, uh, you know, the few big ones, main, main important ones and come back uh, to you uh, with another session where I will actually focus entirely on uh, answering your questions. All right. And till then, namaskar to all of you. And uh, thank you. Thank you so much for uh, for listening.